few months ago, I told you about. Uh, I, I, now I'm gonna say I'm gonna use some words that make it sound like I'm I'm being. Um, appreciative of this guy. I'm not. Uh, full disclosure, I hate con men, I hate scammers, I hate flim-flam artists, okay? I'm not I'm not saying this is a good person. All I'm saying is it's he's incredibly successful in being a scumbag, okay? Uh, so in terms of con men, Patrice Runner, I talked about him a few months ago, a Quebec guy, made hundreds of millions of dollars defrauding people. Seriously. 200 million is the estimate that this guy was able to fleece people of. He's in jail now. He was arrested in Europe, extradited back to the U.S., and he's now in jail in New York. And that is where our next guest made contact with him and got the whole story. She's actually spoken with this guy. Uh, so we're going to have a conversation now with Rachel Brown. She's a journalist, a documentary producer with bylines for, for Vice, for McLean's, for The Walrus, for more. Uh, Rachel, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate your time today. Of course. Thanks so much for having me. I, I was fascinated by this story. The moment I read it, 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 it's absolutely amazing. And we'll get to your interaction with Runner in a minute. But first of all, like I say, as much as you hate to say it, because he's an awful person, and I'm really glad he's in jail, but at the same time, wow. Like, it's impressive what this guy did, right? I, yeah, it is impressive. It was, you know, a very successful business. Um, you know, he to this day sees it as a legitimate business he doesn't think he did anything wrong um but yes it was very successful over 20 years uh millions and millions of these letters offering these psychic services were mailed to canadians and americans and brought in millions upon millions of dollars and it all started out like there was a, a shred of credibility to it because he actually got into contact with 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 a pretty famous psychic and sort of that's where he started this right that's right. He had heard about this legendary French psychic named Maria Duval, who kind of started making a name for herself in the French Riviera in the 1970s. Um, and so by the 90s, uh, Patrice Runner had already dabbled in a few mail order businesses and had heard about her European dealings, um, licensing her name and likeness uh, for mail order letters. And so he says that he met with her uh, in the mid-90s and came to an agreement with her, an agreement that he hasn't been able to pr uh, uh, present or yeah. find. Um, but yes, he says he made contact with her and they stayed in contact over many years and he would send out these letters uh, using her name and uh, likeness. So the scam or uh, the, 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 the game that he was playing, basically it was just mass mail, right? Like he just sent out millions yeah. of these letters and hoped somebody would reply? That's exactly it. There would, you know, there are often these mailing lists of people. Like, in in many cases, how this starts is that there's an ad that his company would put in print media, uh, calling for people to respond if they were interested in learning more with their addresses, and that would be compiled into a database, and then you know, letters and more letters would be sent offering various services and products. Um, but you can also buy databases of people's contact information and then start, you know, sending them yeah. unsolicited mail. So for any, a range of products, but that's essentially uh, what he did in this case. In the piece he wrote, um, you, you talk a bit about, it's in the Walrus, if you want to read it. it. It goes way more in depth than we'll have time for here. I encourage you to read it. It's really fascinating. Um, but Rachel, you, you, he sort of describes himself as something like, a, I don't 
don't know if the professional or somebody who's better at this because of his writing skills. So he doesn't see it. It was just you know throw out a million lines and hope ten fish bite. He thinks he's actually really good, and it was his writing that hooked people, right? Yes, he from a very young age would receive mail order. Um, mailings uh, to his home in Montreal and he was always fascinated with copywriting the art of letter writing and the art of persuasive writing and he trained himself uh, to be a copywriter so he prides himself on being a Mm -hmm. really persuasive advertisement uh, copywriter and so that's the sort of skill set that he was able to combine with the power of the promise of these psychic services. And you can't argue with success. I mean, he made the money. He lived the life, right? Like, he all over the world. Yeah, he did. He, you know, he is someone who likes adventure. He's a bit of a thrill seeker. He likes bungee jumping, extreme skiing, that kind of thing. So he, you know, he liked to move all over the world where he could, you know, he could take his family and they could do cool activities as well as live in some amazing parts of the world. So, I mean, obviously he was successful, but that means that a lot of other people were really badly hurt. Like, you can't lose sight of this. There were a lot of people that were really, and some of the accounts that you tell in the piece, like people that were devastated by what he did. Yeah, there were a lot of people who came to see the letters and what they were offering as providing a lifeline um, for them in terms of providing a pathway to happiness, to luck, to wealth. And these were people in office, you know, in many cases that were seeking um, to make their lives better. Some sought refuge in the letters even. They believed that they were communicating with this psychic Maria Duval, and they sort of built a relationship with her in their minds. And so they kind of came to see her in some cases as a friend, as a confidant, as someone watching over them. And then, you know, they would go on to learn that it wasn't her and they would, they would be devastated. And not only that, they, in many cases, spent thousands of dollars on these things, money that in many cases they didn't have. Yeah, and that's the tragedy of it. So when did it all start to fall apart for Runner? When did the wheels come off? For this particular operation, you know, he had been subjected to a couple of other U.S. law enforcement investigations for other weight loss operations in the past. Those were in the mid-90s. But for this operation, the the wheels of justice started to turn and, and you know, U.S. Postal Service inspectors and the Department of Justice started to really zero in on this operation. I would say in the mid-2000s, it just kind of came across one postal inspector's desk one day. He just happened to see this kind of what he thought was a sketchy company, started digging into it, started digging into Maria Duval, and sort of over time, it was revealed that the letters weren't from the person they purported to be from. The trinkets that were being mailed as part of the letters weren't really what they were saying they were either. And so over time, he was able to kind of, um, the U.S. Department of Justice was able to go after employees with Runner's company and eventually work their way up to Runner himself and uh, indicted him initially on on many counts of federal offenses, including conspiracy to commit mail fraud, money laundering, a whole bunch of charges. A whole bunch of men. And he was arrested in Europe, extradited, and he's now in prison, correct? That's right. He was convicted uh, by a jury in June on 14 of those counts, uh, and he's awaiting sentencing now. Uh, And now this is where it gets really interesting, because you uh, took a flyer and sent him a note, right? And and, and he got back to you, so you're now in contact with Patrice Runner from prison. Yes, I 
you know, I came across this story in the news. I was just really interested in it. I saw there was a photo that some websites had had run of him uh, on a on a beach in Ibiza. So I just wanted to learn more about him. And I finally got up the courage to write him a letter of my own um, in prison. And I said I wanted to hear his story. And then we, you know, we started having uh, having conversations. And I met with him a few times at prison as well. And so over the year, uh, over the course of a year, we you know, had various conversations about, about the operation, about the charges he was facing. How did, what's his response now? Does he sort of admit, uh, okay, the jig is up? Or it sounds like he's still pretty indignant. Like, I didn't do anything wrong here. He, it's interesting. There is some overlap between his position, his, you know, his defense attorney's position and the Department of Justice and the prosecution that there, that the letters were misleading. Um, Patrice himself admits that. But where they differ, um, and Patrice believes this, that he never crossed the legal line, that there are whole businesses and industries from magicians to Disneyland to psychics in general that are built on deceit, um, that are built on a lie that people willingly buy into. Um, so he, you know, he, he feels as if he's been unfairly targeted. He feels as if, um, you know, maybe his businesses were unethical, but they weren't fraudulent. So he still holds that position as far as I know. But I mean he it was mail fraud ultimately that got him, right? Ultimately, yes. And and money conspiracy to commit money laundering, sort of all kind of federal offenses that are pertaining to uh, the use of the US Postal Service to conduct this business um, in the way that uh, the U.S. Department of Justice describes as predatory and fraudulent. So is that where it ends? Do we know about, you know, the, the massive fortune that he'd amassed? Is it over? Is he just going to wait out his time in jail? Do we? Is this where the story ends for Patrice Runner? It depends on his sentence. I mean, it, it's very, this, this is a very serious crime in the United States, and they take it very seriously. Um, he faces up to, tw- he could face up to 20 years per Conviction. He's been convicted of 14 crimes, so 20 times 14, plus uh, monetary fines he could face. Uh, it just depends on which direction it goes. But I, you know, it seems like he could face many years in jail. Um, so we're not sure exactly wh- what the end of the story is at this point. Um, there's a lot hanging in the balance still uh, for Patrice. It's a fascinating story. It really is. Rachel, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate your time today. Thanks so much. Take care.